Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Season two of the Flourishing Therapreneur is brought to you by Thryzer. Thryzer provides therapists with an end-to-end, out-of-network billing support for their clients. Are you in private practice and want to support clients in getting reimbursed with their super bills and other out-of-network expenses, but don't have the bandwidth to do it alone? Look no further. Thryzer submits all of your insurance claims after every appointment to get faster reimbursement for your ideal clients. And even better, they handle all denials and slowdowns so that clients don't have to stress or contact insurance at all. The riser is affordable and seamless. It's absolutely free to sign up and the processing fee is only 3%. Partnering with Thryzer is an awesome way to make your private pay practice more accessible while positively improving your client experience, thus impacting your client retention and increasing your professionalism for your private practice. Better yet, The onboarding process is seamless and it's super easy to onboard clients and get started. So what are you waiting for? Check out the link in the show notes and use the code flourish to begin your three week free trial. Hi Liz, and welcome to the flourishing therapreneur podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to take a moment and introduce yourself and share a little bit with the audience about who you are and what you do, we'd love to learn more. Well, first of all, I'm so glad that you reached out and I feel like we have a connection already. So I'm very excited to talk with you and and your listeners. Uh, My name is Liz Gray. I am a licensed clinical social worker and a registered play therapist and also a certified systems and mindset clinic coach. So I live in Chicago with my husband and my mini golden doodle Bailey. So anyone who goes and types in organize and thrive, that'll be the first thing you see is me and Bailey. <laughs> Most people know me because of her cute Aww. little little apricot dog. Um, but yeah, I'm a practicing therapist and I also help therapists get organized and work through mindset and systems barriers in their practices. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to learn more. I feel like there's so much about even just the brief conversation we had before we hit record of just what you offer to therapists. It's like truly what a lot of us are missing, whether that is It wasn't taught in grad school, the system piece, the organization piece, but also like, I know we've talked about too, like there's this highly sensitive therapist piece that you relate to and that you tend to work with. 
Um, so I'd love to kind of learn more about that too. Um, do you want to maybe start with just sharing a little bit about like the type of clients that you typically work with? I know you've mentioned HSP, maybe describing what that is. So we have that framework as the conversation continues. Yes. So HSP is highly sensitive people. And those of us who are highly sensitive therapists refer to ourselves as HSTs. So I don't know if that's a formal name, but um, so you might hear me interchangeably say HSP and HST basically means the same thing. This T is for therapist. So in my clinical practice, I tend to work with a lot of uh, clients who are going, who have anxiety, depression, going through life transitions, uh, trauma and PTSD. And I find that a lot of my coaching clients also are highly sensitive, have anxiety, are perfectionists. It's a pretty similar clientele, but what's definitely different is that I'm not treating trauma when I work with my coaching clients. And we are focusing on them in their professional world. And that can mean as a therapist, as a business owner, as and and how all of that affects them as a person in their other relationships. And I think that's where I like to come in because what I've heard from people is, you know, Liz, I can't really, from my coaching clients who are therapists, I can't really talk to my therapist about these things. I've worked with a business coach and that helped in some ways, but not always. I have a VA virtual assistant, but, you know, so it's, like we go to different people for different things, but it can become a little bit choppy and overwhelming. And mm -hmm. I don't mean to say like, I am the one person who's going to be everything and solve everything for you. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think me having a clinical background, having had a private practice, being pretty good at systems and organization, and also coming from the part of being highly sensitive, I'm able to really weave all of that in, like my own experiences, and really meet my coaching clients where they're at. Yeah, I know. I hear that because I feel like you like what you just named. Like, if you have your own personal therapist, like there's limitations to how far you can go in terms of talking about your business strategies or the things you're struggling with or the things you're trying to improve is kind of like out of the scope to a certain extent. And then there's that piece of like, you could find a business coach, but if they don't specifically understand your career and the specific things that a therapist is going through and navigating, they might not have the, the quite the right lens of how to support you. And then it sounds like this weaving of the HSP or HST um, specialization really enhances and kind of provides like a very customized support um, that I can imagine being so worthwhile and so helpful. Yeah. I wonder if you could share a little bit because I know we were talked about this before we hit record, but I am still struggling to identify like, am I an HSP or am I not? Or, you know, I have a really close friend that's an HSP and she specializes in working with clients that, you know, identify as that. But I was saying this before we hit record, like there's a part of me that kind of struggles to, I don't know, own that piece. And like, I'm curious, like what you would say to anyone listening that's, you know, learned a little bit about highly sensitive people and maybe is not sure if they identify, like how, what are ways that they can, you know, for sure get clear on that or um, kind of reframe maybe the way they view it. Cause I know for me, for some reason, it felt like it was almost like a diagnosis or like 
a personality trait that I was then advertising myself as, as a therapist where you, I, for some reason, it's so ingrained in me from grad school, like you want to present as professional and competent and this and that. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. It makes me feel like I'm admitting like a weakness, even though it shouldn't be a weakness. It should be like, I'm so attuned to myself and I have done the work and I have grown, but instead I, I find myself having a barrier. So I'm wondering if you could kind of unpack that a bit for anyone else that's feeling that way listening. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you asked these questions, that you're thinking about it. And what you're, what you're saying to me really resonates. And I think a lot of people can probably relate of, wait, sensitivity isn't something that's good, right? People, you know, you hear you're too sensitive or you're overthinking it or don't cry or not that sensitivity means that you cry a lot. But I think in our society, sensitivity, it's not understood. It's not valued. It's not accepted. And so, of course, there might be that voice that's like, wait, if I say that I'm sensitive or highly sensitive, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so, first of all, not everyone identifies with that term. About 20% of people are HSPs and or, uh, 20% of the population. And I've heard statistics that, oh, I hope that I'm getting this right. I will please tell me if I'm wrong or I will, I will let everyone know if I'm wrong, but that at least 50% of our clients identify as highly sensitive Wow. of the clients who come to therapy. And, and honestly, I would say, I mean, for someone like me who does specialize in HSPs, that percentage is a lot higher. So I would say the first thing is if you're curious about if you're highly sensitive or not to really um, to do a little exploration and research. So Dr. Elaine Aaron has a great website. It's hsperson.com, I believe. Okay. And there's a little self-test. It's maybe 15, 20 questions and you can just take it really quickly. It'll just take a few minutes and it'll give you a score. And so that'll give you an idea of are you highly sensitive? Are you kind of, you know, on the border or are you not? And she also has a couple of books that I would definitely recommend checking out. There's a really great one. It is Psychotherapy and the Highly Sensitive Person. Okay. Which is really helpful. But there's also just a general one for, I think it's called the Highly Sensitive Person. So those are definitely a couple places to look out. Also, if you're a therapist, there is a wonderful Facebook group called Highly Sensitive Therapists that you can definitely join, which I've found a lot of value in and support. Awesome. Super helpful. And I feel like too, there's that piece, like whether it's like you said, taking the self-test or reading books or joining Facebook groups. I think even just like the fact that you're speaking about this right now, I think with a lot of things, like the more you hear people talk about it and normalize it and educate us on it and share their human experiences, I think it creates opportunity for us to have freedom in like being open to it or being curious about it or um, learning more about it. So I'm excited that you're kind of weaving that into our conversation today and specifically around like organization and um, being a therapist and creating, you know, efficient systems for our practices. I'm wondering if you could kind of, for anyone that's listening, um, kind of share a little bit about where clutter shows up for us as therapists, like thinking of private practice, thinking of our structure, what do you tend to see when it comes to people that you work with or ways that you address it? Oh, yes. So clutter is very common and it shows up in different ways for us. So clutter can be physical clutter, like a messy desk or 
a really messy kitchen or your clothes all over the floor, right? It can be physical, like in your space. Clutter can also be digital. And this is what I see a lot more, I would say with when I'm working with my clients is it could mean 10,000 unread emails sitting in your inbox, or it can mean having 10 different email accounts. It might mean having hundreds or even more files that are on your computer or like on your desktop, you know, that are just completely unorganized. They aren't named they're not in folders, just everywhere kind of spilling out. It can mean having 50 tabs open. And I'm a hundred percent guilty of that. I don't even want to tell you how many tabs I have right now. Um, <laughs> how many, how many different windows and tabs. And so what I noticed for me, so actually what I want to ask your listeners to do is just take a minute to think about, huh, what is a sign that either I notice or that other people might notice? Like what, what happens when clutter shows up and, or how does it show up for you? Is the question I want to ask. And so it can be that physical clutter, it can be digital and emotional. I'm going to add into that. And when I say emotional clutter, that could mean many things. It could mean just feelings of overwhelm. It could mean that you have imposter syndrome or that you are comparing yourself to other people and their practices. The emotional clutter might mean that you do have trauma that either you're working through or you haven't yet. It could mean that you have had a ton of transitions, maybe job changes, maybe, you know, a pandemic, maybe moving. I know I've moved 15 times in the past 17 years. I have done a lot of moving and shifting and transitions, and that's really shaken things up for me. Hmm. Luckily, we just bought a house and are here to stay, at least for a while. (laughs) But it can show up in all different ways, and that affects us, and it looks differently from person to person, from situation to situation. So I'm wondering... If any, yeah, does any of that resonate? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> when I like that you um, break it down, because I think it's easy to hear a word like clutter and just assume that we know what the definition is. But when you tease it apart and you say physical, like I'm resonating with that of like, there's times like my office itself is really clean, but maybe I have a couple sticky notes everywhere or like there's things that kind of, especially if you identify as an HSP, kind of like set you off a little bit of like, now I feel distracted or I feel overstimulated or now I'm like, I'm talking to a client and I'm looking down and I see the note and I'm now feeling not as present or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But then also the digital, I think that's really cool to kind of highlight because I think that can also be something that a lot of therapists relate to if they're building a private practice, but they work for another company currently and they're trying to navigate both. And then they're feeling overwhelmed with their email boxes or if they're not organized, like, and I'm excited for you to kind of tag into that at some point of like, you know, maybe making poor decisions with how you respond to an email and just always writing the email every single time someone's asking about something versus having it like a structured template that you can just quickly modify and it saves you time and all that kind of stuff. But like the digital um, clutter, I think sometimes can be easier to hide because only person that can see it sometimes is just you. But yet I'm imagining that bleeds into the emotional clutter of if you do have life transitions, like I know for me in August, I moved houses and I moved offices and it was like a disaster of like 
transitions are hard <laughs> and they're symbolic and they're, they take a while to settle in and there's so many different components to it, but yeah, like I can for sure relate to all three of those and it's helpful that you broke it down. I love what you said about the digital clutter being more hidden hmm. and something that a lot of HST struggle with is the sense of isolation and shame. Hmm. especially if you're in private practice. If, you, if it's just you, you're a one-person show and don't really have colleagues nearby, don't share an office space with anyone, especially for people that are working from home now, that it can feel so isolating. And I'll tell you that the shame, at least for what I see, is the biggest thing that comes up. That most people, when they first meet with me within 20 minutes are going there with me. Wow. Like, Liz, I've just held this in for so long. Like, yeah. I I haven't had anyone to talk to about this. I feel like it's just me. I feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to, to name that and to give them a space to be able to talk about it and say, it's not just you. It's not just you. You're not alone. And let's work together so that you don't have to be feeling like this forever. Yeah. What would you say? Because I imagine I'm just trying to think through timeline pieces of a lot of people that maybe launch a private practice, a lot of people are learning as they go. And they, it's not like they launch and they already have all their systems in place or they launch and they've already done all these consultations or they've launched and they, you know, have, you know, all the different pieces organized in their Google drive or however they organize. And I can imagine, especially as, you know, working for yourself being your own boss, you do a lot of things on your own, or maybe you eventually contract people out like a VA or different people. But I could imagine a a really common mistake is telling yourself, Hey, um, I don't have time right now, but I'll do it next week. I'll have time right now. I'll do it later. So this is really disorganized and I don't like my system, but I don't have enough bandwidth and time because I've seen X amount of clients today and I have all these clinical notes to do. And it just probably like spirals. Um, and it gets so big and overwhelming. Yeah. Like, where do you begin? Like, how do you even look at it? And if you are highly sensitive, or even if you're not, I think it still is overwhelming to look at, (laughs) regardless of like, if you have things on your to-do list, or you have unfinished projects or tasks that stress you out. Um, So I'm wondering if you could kind of share with the audience, like, what are systems and why is it important to have them kind of transitioning from the clutter conversation to what do we do about it? How do we either at the beginning of our practice launching, or maybe we're 10 years in and we're saying, Hey, I want to restructure. I want to save myself time. I want to feel more professional in certain contexts. What are examples of systems and why is it important? Yes. So I see systems as the invisible thread that keeps our lives running. So when I say our life, I mean, that could be the invisible thread that keeps our business running or that keeps our home running or our relationships. Essentially, it's something that you repeat over time that has two or more steps. I mean, that's just my own made up definition of a system, but that's how I think of it is something that if you do it more than once, that it can actually become something that you get to duplicate, replicate, have a couple steps and make it really simple, such as the example you just gave of why write the same email 500 times when you can make a template? Yes, it'll take a few extra minutes to put that template together, but in the long run, it's going to save you so much time and energy. Yeah. So 
when I think about systems, I actually created this model that I call it the BAM AHA systems model. Love and <laughs> again, just made this up, but, um, and this is what we go through in a course that I run and oftentimes with my individual clients too, is BAM is we first start with the barriers and mindset. We have to get to the emotional stuff before we can clear that clutter essentially. And then it's the AHA, which is assessment and uh, assessment, hopes and goals and action plan. And then it's the systems. So I'll tell you what the seven, so systems kind of like the, you know, acronym S-Y-S-T-E-M-S. So systems would be one is your schedule. So not only how you actually schedule with clients, like do they schedule themselves in your program or do you talk about it at each session, but what your schedule physically looks like, like how many days a week are you working? How many clients are you seeing? So schedule kind of looks a couple different ways. The why in systems is your business documents. So what we were talking about of when you set up your business, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of stuff. And so it's really having a place to keep all of that together. And stop me at any time if you have any questions. No, or, is, I'm just eating um, this all up. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, the S is scripts and checklists. So that's something that I love to do. What we were kind of talking about already is having different templates and scripts and, and visuals that are going to help you make decisions. Because as HSTs, we can get really, really overwhelmed by clutter, right? However it shows up. And then tend to kind of shut down and freeze and do nothing, which is going to cost you time, energy, and money, right? If you are so overwhelmed with documentation and billing, you're actually going to miss out on client payments and not be paid everything that you're owed, which is just not okay. We want you to get paid. So having things in an easily accessible place, and it's going to look different for everyone. Some people like to have things printed out and you know, over where they can see it. Some people like to have things in a Google Drive. Some people like to have things in a Trello board or maybe in your email draft. So something that I love to do is help to, you know, one one size, one system does not fit all. So it's figuring out what works for you and what's going to be the easiest. Um, the next, the T in systems is time management and documentation. The E is efficient client onboarding. So having a system, having different steps that you do every time you have a new client and not just from the client starting, but from the second that a client reaches out to you to inquire about services. The M is money management. And S is is kind of the all-encompassing, like sorting all your digital files, papers, and email, (laughs) like having a system for that. All the things we don't want to (laughs) do. Stuff that I love to do, but not other people, most people yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like with each of the things that you're listing, you could almost, and I'm imagining you already do, do like a deep, deep dive on each of them because it sounds like they're like even just listing like money management. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much to that in like creating more systems that are efficient and um, just wise in terms of checking in on your finances and being transparent and investing and like all the different pieces that could go into that. 
Um, what would you say, like, is there one that tends to be, I'm imagining like as humans and also as therapists, like we can relate to most of those. What would you say after you've kind of gone through your acronym of examples of different um, areas that people could grow? What would you say is a common, you know, struggle that people have out of all of those? Like, do you tend to find the notes are where people get stuck or the finances are where people get stuck or maybe just the onboarding process and the business structure? Like, is there kind of a theme that tends to come up more often than others? Well, all of those are, (laughs) I see a lot. Definitely notes and documentation is huge. And the shame that comes with it for therapists of, again, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one who's behind. I'm terrified that the audit police are going to show up at my door. I'm going to be reported or sued or someone is going to, audit me. I mean, it's really, it's terrifying. It's, it's really scary for therapists. And then to have this huge backlog of notes, plus all the new notes for every single session you do, it's just, it's so much. So I see that a lot. And then also the money stuff. I think it's, people are scared. They're really scared to know how much money is coming in, how much is going out. And a lot of times don't have a good way, a good simple way of tracking it. So I'm actually updating my money tracker that I have uh, that's been really helpful for people because I make it really simple and it categorizes. So all you have to do is once a month, go in, plug in everything from your bank statement and put it in. And my accountant loves me for it. (laughs) I love that. I mean, already hearing some of the stuff that you offer, whether it's yeah, like the financial piece and organizing, or I know that you have like a course, right, on notes or like a mini guide to that. Like, I just, I appreciate that you create these things for therapists because I think when I think especially about notes and like the struggle of notes that maybe comes up for me is like the piece of, I don't feel like I was taught well about that in grad school or like maybe my clinical sites had very different expectations. And then as a private practice clinician, again, the same thing with admitting if I'm an HSP or not, the part with notes kind of comes up of like, if I admit that I am not fully confident in what I'm doing in this area, or that maybe I'm doing it wrong, what does that say about me as a clinician? What does that say about my professionalism? What does that say about my training? Does that then disqualify me in all the other areas? So I feel like there's a lot of I don't know if you would, I kind of get sick of the term imposter syndrome. I don't know if that's exactly what you name this, but I think it's a lack of confidence or a lack of just admitting you're human, admitting that you need to grow. And I think the irony of it is as therapists, that's what we encourage our clients to do. Our clients is, you know, to recognize areas and to be gentle with them and to be curious. And so I am noticing, even as we talk, just a lot of self-compassion coming up of like, oh, like it's okay to recognize you have a system that needs improving. It's okay to admit that you're not the best at all the things and that you're allowed to be human and you're allowed to keep learning. And just because you graduated and you're licensed does not mean that you have to have everything set up because if that's the case, then we all fail, right? Like our, our profession is always growing, always evolving. There's always new laws and new rules. And um, yeah, so I'm feeling very encouraged by our conversation. <laughs> Me too. And this is really resonating. And you you brought up a point that that made me think of something that I wanted to share earlier. Yeah. That when for those of for those therapists who are in private practice, so there is the clinical piece that you have to be strong at and there's the business piece. 
And when I first started my private practice, I didn't feel like I had either. I didn't feel like I was strong in either of those. And I don't mean strong in the sense of you have to, you know, have X amount of years and be perfect, but, but the confidence I think that we were talking about is I had no experience in business at all, owning a business, being a business owner. Yes, I had systems. I know how to do that, but I had to do a lot of my own research. And I was coming from being a school social worker, which is not really clinical. It was wearing many different hats to starting to work in private practice. So I remember feeling like the biggest imposter, like, who am I to be basically running my own business and doing therapy? What on earth am I doing? When I had been working with kids and families for eight, 10 years at that time, but I just felt like such a fraud. And that I think is a, a piece for me. And this is not for everyone because I know some people who start their private practices feeling really confident in their skills as a clinician, or I know of someone who has a business background um, before they become a therapist. So those are strengths. And for me, and I don't mean this in just a, you know, let, let's put myself down, but I didn't feel personally the, that I had strength in either of those, which made it really difficult for me to have a successful private practice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you naming that and even just sharing your own humanness in connecting to the concepts that we're talking about. Cause I think you're right. Like there is a lot of um, confidence building and struggle. And like, I think kind of tying into what you're saying about the therapist piece, the business piece, I kind of feel like in a certain sense, the more I've grown in business development, I feel like the business structure is almost con contradictory to the therapist structure. Like they're almost like two different like philosophies that like they almost can't coexist. And so there's this struggle as a therapist being like, but I want to make a good income, but I want to be direct. I want to have a, you know, charge my worth and I want this and I want that. But then there's some like deep rooted systemic, I don't know if it stems from like our training as a therapist or passed down generational trauma or therapist in like, oh, well, I worked for free, so you need to work for free, or I did this, so you need to do this, or this is just how it is as a therapist. Like, there's a lot of philosophies that I know I wrestle with, and I want to keep highlighting through this podcast and through courses because we need to change the narrative. And especially now, like, as a modern therapist owner, business owner, like, it's different times have changed. And I think there's a lot of improvement still for the field of psychology and for business development. And I'm just grateful that you're highlighting some of those pieces that are so valuable just to have that confidence of whether that's systems or, you know, looking at things in a kind and gentle way of like, here is a very straightforward spreadsheet that will make this really easy. Here is, you know, the support network of this Facebook group or, you know, very tangible, relatable ways to, to connect to it. Um, but I know our time is starting to wrap up, but I'm wondering if there's just, as we wrap up, if there's anything that you would say in terms of, um, maybe tips for therapists that feel overwhelmed or isolated, or maybe have a little bit of shame as even as they're listening to this, they might feel comforted knowing, okay, you guys are having a conversation that I'm really excited to listen in on and I could grow from, but maybe they're noticing, um, a little bit of shame around notes or admin tasks. What kind of tips or advice would you give for them? Well, reach out. First of all, even if we just connect on a human level, I love meeting fellow HSTs. So please, I would love to connect. 
also, I have a couple Facebook groups. So, and not that this is the answer for everyone or everything to go join a Facebook group, but there's community. And so organize and thrive, and then also writing notes with ease are the two that you can look up. And I created this little model. It's the three A's that I think might be really fitting right here. So I'm going to share that. So first, so the three A's stand for allow, acknowledge, and accept. So with allow is I would say, allow yourself to grieve the fact that your systems, the way you work as a therapist, your business model probably is going to look different than the systems of your friends and your colleagues and of the businesses of other people and that that's okay. So really let yourself feel all the feelings that your business might look different. Then the next part, the next A is acknowledge that you get to set boundaries and make decisions about your business that are unique to your strengths and limitations. So there are some people who might prefer to work three days and see six, seven, eight clients, and they get really energized by that. For others, a lot of HSPs or a lot of HSTs, myself included, is we can only do three, four, maybe five sessions a day and need breaks and that that's okay. You as a business owner get to choose if you take insurance, how much you charge, what your late cancellation or no-show policy is, how many clients you see in a day or in a week, you get to make all those decisions. And I know that can be overwhelming, but I mean that as an empowering statement. And finally, accept support that you don't have to do this alone. So embrace your community. Maybe you have some supportive colleagues or friends. Maybe you have a business coach. Maybe you reach out to me. Whatever it is, know that there are other people who can help, who can support, and that it's not just you, that you're not going through this alone. Mm, so good. I feel like so encouraged by all of those points. It kind of just gives you like an acceptance piece of just like, wow, like it's okay. It's okay to to ask for help. It's okay to, to choose, um, you know, being curious and learning more. And whether that you said like joining the group or whether that's, you know, signing up for a course, it feels like kind of when I think back to the theme of what we've talked about today, it sounds like everyone is different. So for some people, it might look a certain way. And for other people, it might look different in the same way that you highlighted for some of people listening, they might be an HST and other people aren't. And we might have different ways of creating our structures or our systems, or maybe for some of us, it could be, you know, like hiring certain things and contracting them out. If you recognize I can create the system, but I don't want to do it every month. I'd rather someone else do the bookkeeping or I'd rather have someone else create my social media content or, you know, whatever that is. And like, I think a lot of what you're saying really aligns with me in terms of just really the more, you know, yourself as a human that translates into your practice, that translates into the way that your systems are structured. And I love, especially at the beginning of our conversation, when you talked about the emotional piece, like I think that really highlights, I'm imagining that is like the catalyst and it manifests into the physical, it manifests into the digital, but that emotional piece of really connecting with who you are and maybe some of your own personal roadblocks is like really the meat of this conversation. So for anybody listening that um, wants to connect with you or wants to know what's coming up for you, whether it's a course or, you know, what's to come, um, how can they find you and, and what should they know about? 
definitely join the Facebook group, Organize and Thrive. I'd say that's the most updated of everything that's going on. You can also follow me on Instagram. I believe it's Organize and Thrive 1. And because Organize and Thrive was taken, apparently, so I had to put a <laughs> 1 at the end. Um, you can also go on my website. It is just organize-and-thrive.com. And I am always looking to create new things, whether it's a new course or training or workshop. I'll be doing another summit. I did one this past year, the Time, Flexibility, and Freedom Virtual Summit. So looking forward to that. I do ongoing VIP days and packages with individuals. So just reach out to me and we will figure out what works for you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Liz. It was such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I know I feel super encouraged by what you shared and just that yeah, that courage to pursue more systems and organization for my practice to thrive. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I'm so excited for your listeners to have you as a host and to, to listen to this and to just continue on their journey of self-exploration and of their self and themselves as a business owner. It's really cool what you're doing. Hi, Flourishing Therapreneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course Flourishing in Private Practice is coming spring 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you are wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. All right, and looking forward to continuing to grow and flourish together as therapists and entrepreneurs. As therapreneurs, let's go. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.